Good morning. Uh, today, um, I'm accompanied by my wonderful bride. Uh, she's my first wife of 19 years. So uh, her name is Kim. And uh, I have so enjoyed teaching this with you. It really has been fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed it because it's definitely, it's brought some conversation in our house. <laughs> so, um, and I also want to say before we dig in today, uh, we're not a perfect couple. Uh, we don't have it all together. Um, there are many times that I am just a heel, and uh, you know I can talk about great communication up on stage, but <laughs> the the proof of the pudding is when I am at home. And uh, so I just want to let you guys know that we're not perfect, and uh, we're going to be ending today's series uh, on a pretty somber note, because we're going to be talking about uh, affairs and the pain of adultery. And uh, as we go through and we dive through this, uh, we want to make sure that we do it in such a way, it's not gonna, this is probably not going to be a really funny sermon uh, because it's not a really funny topic. Um, but the, one of the things I hope you hear very clearly today is two things. Number one, that if you uh, or a loved one, if you've been wrapped up uh, in an affair, an emotional or physical affair, um, I want you to hear very clearly that God still loves you. That God still has a hope for you and he still has a plan for you and he's not given up on you. Um, and uh, when we started one church almost five years ago now, we started for people who were broken and who were hurting. And that is all of us, because none of us in here are perfect. So I just want you to hear clearly that God loves you very, very much. I uh, also want you to hear very clearly that um, uh, I don't know whether the relationship is over or not. But I can tell you very clearly um, that if you have went through the pain of, of, of an affair, um, that... When God is the center of a relationship, all things are possible. And that um, I have seen uh, relationships who have undergone the pain of an affair and come out 15 years later and they be stronger than they've ever been. So um, I just want you to hear that God loves you very much. And as we go through um, this, I think one of the things the enemy has a tendency for us to do is to keep us in the dark. In fact, if they can keep us in the dark, then they can keep us guessing. If you wouldn't mind... Could, would you mind turning off these lights, these bright lights back here? Because it's casting a big, sh my big old shadow up on that back wall. And it's just bothering me. Dadgummit. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm ADD. Um, these so, shadows always look bigger than the real thing. Yeah, and they say that with cameras, yeah, too. Yeah, add 10 pounds right yeah. off the bat. How many, so many of y'all have cameras good, on babe. me? That's the question. <laughs> anyway, I'm joking. Um, but I think one of the things that our, uh, the enemy can do is that he can keep us in the dark. And, and I, as we look today, that I want you guys to see and hear very clearly that there are steps to an affair. In fact, one of the things that I'm going to be sharing today as we're sharing through this message, this is not original with me. I heard a guy by the name of Tommy Nelson teach this when I was at Dallas Seminary 16 years ago. And I remember him teaching this, and he says, this is important. I want you to write it down. And I'm going to tell you the very same thing. This is important. Write it down. If you don't have a pen, you can go to Uversion, and you can hit share, and you can email yourself this stuff. But um, there is a certain steps to having an affair. There's a certain ease to it. It's E-A-S-E, -S -E, but all the steps we're going to be looking at today starts with the letter E. And one doesn't have to try to go out to have an affair. Many times, you just really don't have to be just be paying attention because many times it can just happen. Our big idea is in two parts, and it, it's this. Um, the first one, husbands, I'm going to start on this. Husbands, you are the only legitimate source of romance for your wife. 
I'll say that again. Husbands, you are the only legitimate source for romance for your wife. That if I could personalize this, the only legitimate source for romance that my wife has isn't a book, it isn't a coworker, it isn't um, it isn't a chick flick. It's me, and if she's going to be filled up in her romance cup, the only legitimate person who can do that is myself. Wives. We are the only legitimate source of sexual arousal for our husbands. Say that one more time. We are the only legitimate source of sexual arousal for our husbands. As most of us know, if men want their cup to be filled up, if they want to be fulfilled and feel happy and self-confidence high, One of the best ways for us to do that for them is to pour into them in a very intimate way, in a physical way. And so we need to be sure that we are the source of that. So wives, we are the legitimate source of sexual arousal for our husbands. Did you know that adultery and someone having an affair is rarely ever a sexual problem? I really want you to hone in that because many times when we think when somebody falls into a sexual affair, then sex was the center of it. And let me say this, sex is never the center of a sexual affair. It never starts out sexual. Affairs come about because of the absence of communication and romance. When, when one person stops communicating, when one person stops being romantic, when one person or two people stop that, thing is, God created us with those needs. He created us with a need to be intimate. He created us with a need to, to, to actually communicate with somebody else. He created us with a need for romance we're going to be looking at in just a sec. And if, and if our spouse doesn't fulfill those in a legitimate way, then many times we will go outside of that relationship and we will start fulfilling that in an illegitimate way. So the first E that we're going to be looking at today is the, is the E of elimination. So elimination begins when the things that we used to do start to fall away. So passion and fire and romance and intimacy and communication, one by one, those things just start to disappear. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not like you get up one morning and go, oh, not going not gonna to do that anymore. It's not like it's something you do on purpose. But when you're dating we've talked about this so much through this series. When you begin to date someone, you're pouring in so much time and so much attention. And then once you get married, life begins to happen. Mm. And so the things that just came so naturally and easily when you were dating don't tend to show up as much as anymore. Maybe he doesn't pull your chair out for you anymore. Maybe he doesn't open the door for you anymore. Maybe you don't turn his covers back at night or iron his underwear anymore. I don't know, whatever it could be. Um, You have never ironed my underwear. And don't expect it (laughs) (laughs) But basically, you know, you kind of lose that passion and you lose that excitement. And, you know, sometimes it feels like, I'll just be honest, sometimes it feels like I'm the maid. I know I've shared that many times. Sometimes it feels like I'm more about what I do than who I am. Mm. And so I get caught up in that function, and I'll just own my own language here. I just, I just neglect some things because all of the stuff there is to be done. Guys, I'm sure you can feel that same way too. You get involved in your career. You get involved with whatever the things are that you're involved with in your home. And, well, by the time you finish all that, you're just, you know, 
what's left. And, and let me just say this. I didn't marry you because of how well you could iron something. I didn't marry you because you could keep the house clean. I married you for a lot of other different reasons. A lot, it was the passion. It was the joy and all that stuff. But so many times, you start feeling like the maid, and, and I can take you for granted, and I'm sure this happens in you guys' relationship well, or you feel like, you know, you know whatever I, duties I do, I'm not a really handy person. but um, Right, and when you identified that you were interested in your mate, I mean, ladies, I, now, you can just be honest here. I mean, you didn't probably look at him and say, he can change the oil. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is a mechanical guy. I want him for me. <laughs> I'm all about that. That's probably not where you started. Right. You started in a place where you connected through kindness or something in common or a, a shared experience. And so... Um, you know, once we get married, we have to watch out. We have to make sure that the tenderness is still there, the romance is there, the desire is there. What you did out of instinct when you were dating to win that person is going to have to become a discipline to keep that person and to stay strong in your marriage. Let me say that again. What you did out of instinct when you were dating, you have to do out of discipline in your marriage. Doesn't sound like very much fun, does it? But if we will continue to be mindful of those things and continue to pour in, we will find that it does make our marriage fun. Mm, we'll right. find that it is something that starts to become a regular practice for us. In Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, um, there's some verses that are beginning, a beginning of a passionate talk about a relationship. And it says, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe and a graceful deer. Don't be offended, ladies. That, that's nice, okay? Um, let her breast satisfy you always, and may you be captivated by her love. That's passion right there, y'all. May you be captivated by her. Now, I'll promise you guys, if you walk in the bedroom and say, come on over here, dear, and you're not saying D-E-A-R, there's going to be problems. Don't call her dough. Just leave that out, okay? Not a good thing. What used to be exciting to us isn't so exciting anymore. So it becomes a discipline. And you're no longer, sometimes we feel like we're no longer spontaneous. You know, we don't just fly off and do this or jump in the car and do that. Um, and what happens is if we're not careful that we drift away from one another right. and towards isolation. And that's, that's right. something that we talked about early on in this series. Right. So we really have to watch out for that and be intentional. And life is, life is full of stuff. We know that. There's a job to go to. There are kids to raise. There's laundry to do. There's bills to pay. There's grass to mow. There's dishes to wash. There's laundry to fold. I mean, come on. The list is endless. But at the end, if we strip away all of those to-dos and we turn toward the person that we are in this covenant relationship with, we'll realize how much more important is that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, it says, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain uh, from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves completely to prayer. And afterward, you should come together so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of lack of self-control. Wow. So we should be doing the deed except for when we're praying? Is that what that's saying? Yes, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I think that really the importance of that, that we need to take away from that, is 
We need to be sure that we are setting aside time to feed our spiritual selves. Mm-hmm. We need to be sure that we continue to give attention to that. That's something, once again, that we've continually talked about. Pour into your spiritual life, pour into your mate, and then live out your life from there. Satan knows when our marriages are hurting. He knows when we reach that dry season. It's not that, it's not that we hate each other. It's not that I don't want to be around you anymore. I'm just distracted, busy, tired. He can sense that. That's right. So remember, husbands, you are the only legitimate source of romance for your wife. Pour into her. Wives, you're the only legitimate source of sexual arousal for your husband. Pour into him. Now, we'll notice that um, romance and communication, when they have been eliminated, then it leads to the next E. And that's encounter. The second E is encounter. We encounter somebody in a, just a purely social setting. Maybe it's a friend, maybe the woman next door, it may be a secretary, it may be a trainer at the gym, it may be a counselor, and it's purely innocent. You begin a conversation with this person, and this person is polite. This person is kind. They're, they're gentle. They're respectful of you. And little do they realize that they are now providing that thing for you that your wife or your husband stopped providing for you five years before. Ladies, you don't even realize that the trainer is treating you the way your husband used to treat you. And when he compliments you, it just feels so good. And it's purely innocent. There's nothing evil in this. But when the good stuff of your relationship gets eliminated, the romance, the fire, the passion, the intimacy, the heat, the playfulness, the desire, when all of that stuff gets eliminated, your heart, which used to be moist from all the romance and intimacy, now becomes dry as parched limbs. What used to overflow with just waves of passion has now become a dry tinderbox. And your heart becomes dehydrated out of a lack of romance. Let me explain it this way. Three weeks ago, we were having a communion group in our house on Sunday night. So um, I, uh, we ended up, the, the day before, we lopping off some dead branches and stuff. And we put them in our backyard, and I was going to fire them up, you know, going to light them up. So I got some Boy, Boy Scout water. Y'all know what Boy Scout water is? Gasoline, that's exactly right. So I got some gasoline and I poured, it, I poured it all over these limbs. And I'm thinking, oh, this, you know, this, it'll be good. So by the way, I, I, this is right underneath a tree where I'm lighting this. But the tree's pretty tall with high, you know, so I'm not really worried about it. I've done it many times before. So I light the match and it goes, foo! And I'm like, oh, I've made a mistake. <laughs> So I, I already had my hose out, and it was already turned on, and I've, we've got terrible water pressure at our house. So I, I, I put it on jet, and I went, I sprayed it like this, and it went, there wasn't any water pressure. And I'm like going, oh my gosh, right? So it didn't catch the, the tree on fire, okay? But three weeks after, all of the limbs and the, and, and the leaves on the limbs, all of the leaves on the limbs are dried up. They're brown up on top of the tree. And my mom was over, uh, we were hanging a hammock a couple days ago. She says, I hope you didn't kill that tree. I'm like, ah, I I didn't kill it. So I hope it didn't. Um, But I'll tell you this, I'm not going to light a fire underneath that tree anymore this season. You want to know why? Because all those leaves are all dried up. And if I did, one spark would set it off. And see, that's exactly what happens. A spark from an innocent encounter of the opposite sex will start kindling 
Start the fire. Uh, Proverbs 6 says this. Can a man scoop fire into his lap and not be burned? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with a man who sleeps with another man's wife. Sexual affairs never start off sexual. They start out with somebody desperately seeking romance. And it always starts out emotional. Let me tell you. And, and, and I, Kim and I were talking about this a couple of days ago, and this is going to sound crass, and I'm not mean it to, but I want you to get the... Anytime you open up your heart and you let somebody from the opposite sex in and you continue on working on that, that really an affair of the heart, anytime you open up your heart, it is a prelude to you opening up your zipper. Because sexual affairs never start off sexual. They start off Emotional. Y'all hear what I'm saying? No one has ever come up to me and said, Chris, can I have sex with you now? It's never happened. I know. It's never happened. I doubt it's ever happened to you. Right? You may look good, but you don't look that good. It never starts out sexual. It always starts out with you giving your heart. And when you start giving your heart, what will eventually go is your body will follow. That's huge. I mean, we are called to be romantic people. And when you eliminate the romance and you have an encounter, anytime, and I said this first service, anytime a guy and a girl, and and you may not, I mean, just innocent, anytime you guys relate, a spark happens. It just, it naturally happens. I mean, it it could be in a social setting, it could be on Facebook, whatever, just a spark. Now, if that spark falls on green wood that's moist and has a lot of sap, nothing's going to happen with that spark. If your marriage is good, everything's fine. But if your marriage is not so good and that spark lands on the dry part of your heart, it can burst in a flame. An affair can start. Let me, romance is making love with your clothes on. There's just something great about romance. You all got married. Guys, you used to be romantic. If you weren't romantic, you never got married. That's just, that's just a fact, right? I mean, you used to do kind things. You used to. And romance, it's, it's with the butterflies in your stomach. I remember, and I talk to Kim about this all the time, when we are hanging out, and I, and I tell her, I still, I still get butterflies when I'm around you. I still love the scent of her perfume. I still love, you know, when, when we hang out and we come home and I take off my clothes and I can still smell her on my clothes. I love that. And you used to like it, but we eliminate that and then we have an encounter. Let me tell you, it's so amazing. Your old flame from high school that you would not think any of, but your marriage is struggling. A glance from a smile or a boss, a touch on the shoulder from a coworker, and something innocent happens and an encounter takes place. So enjoyment is the third E that we're going to look at today. And basically we begin talking about um, after you've had an encounter with somebody and you kind of feel that connection start there, then you might just find yourself spending a little bit more time in conversation with them. Maybe you're sharing some compliments with one another. You're kind of sharing about yourself and some details and finding things in common. And what started as a chance meeting may become something where like, oh, well, I think so-and-so might be around there. I might go walk that way. Or um, you just you just kind of start thinking about how might I see this person again or how might we be able to talk again. And um, you begin to enjoy one another's company. And you start maybe acting the way that you did maybe when you were dating your spouse. Um, and so you're excited to hear about that person and what they have to say. And it's interesting to hear about somebody else's life. 
And there again, it's not, it's, it's not a sexual thing. It's not really that you're trying to be wayward. You're just establishing communication. And um, if you're in a place with your spouse where you don't have the butterflies anymore and you pretty much know everything about them and their life, um, then, you know, having that conversation with somebody else may start to feel good. And what we have to watch out for is the fact that feelings can be dangerous. That's right. Enjoying one another is always based upon emotions, and emotions are like a fireplace. You know, Kim and I, we have a fireplace in our home. In fact, we were talking first service. We've had three fireplaces, one in our home in Alabama, one here, and then in, a, in an apartment that we rented um, in the seedy part of town in Dallas when we were going to seminary. And uh, I love fireplaces. How many of y'all got fireplaces? All right? Love fireplaces. Let me tell you the reason why I like them. When, it, it, when it's wintertime, it provides what? Warmth, right? It provides that glow and that light. Uh, and, and again, there's just, I, and there's romance. I just, it is, I love fireplaces. Now, here's the cool thing about fireplaces. You, think about this, you are taking fire and putting it inside of your home. But that fire, and it's good, right? It's good. But that fire in your fireplace is surrounded by bricks and wrought iron and, and, and stuff so that if a spark flies out, it won't catch the house on fire. But when you start getting feelings for one another, and feelings of romance are good in marriage, they're like sparks. They're like sparks in your fireplace. But when you start getting feelings for, uh, for another person, and you begin an emotional affair with someone other than your spouse, you got to beware, because that spark that's gotten out of hand is no longer in the fireplace, but it's on the rug. It's on the curtains. It's on the carpet, and you are one step closer to having an affair. Anytime, and I said this earlier, anytime a man relates to a woman, a woman relates to a man, there's a spark that happens. And we need to keep our, 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 our own hearts moist from the goodness and the affection and the love and the intimacy of our own marriage so that when those sparks naturally take place, it doesn't, fly, doesn't fall on something that's dry and parched. Proverbs 5.15 says it like this. Drink from your own well. Share your love with only your wife. We have to be careful what we share, who we share with. That's huge. You don't, and, and this is what Kim is getting ready to start talking about in this next, in this next port, and, and it's expediting when we start taking the good things that we had and we start putting it on somebody else. So step four is to expedite. And ped, we're going to start with that, P-E-D, is a Latin word, and it means to step. So ped is to step, and ex is a prefix that means out. So expedite, so we're stepping out. You walk out. And you go further than you mean to go. Um, you enjoy the other person's company. And so you're, as you get to know them, as you talk to them more, then your feelings start to step out. They start to go over the line. And so you find that you're talking longer and um, maybe you're meeting over by the water fountain or um, maybe you need a ride home and you ask that person to give you a ride. Um, there's no physical involvement going on, but there's just verbal communication. But it's kind of going to that next level. Maybe you share some more things that are personal to you, some hopes, some dreams, some things, some pains, and some hurt in your life. And you begin to build some islands of communication there where the two of you talk about those things and you feel a connection there. Hmm. And once again, what, what might seem just like conversation actually becomes deeper and starts to take root inside. 
It's all about, it's all been about words and about communication. But there's some verses in Proverbs that we want to take a look at, beginning in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21. Solomon is talking to a foolish man here. And, and in the first um, several chapters of Proverbs, in the first nine chapters, I believe, um, adultery is mentioned four different times. And so this is one of those times Solomon is talking to his sons. And so in verse 21, it says, So she seduced him. Now we're wondering, okay, how did she seduce him? With her, with her great figure, with her long hair, with her beautiful face. But that's not what it says. It says she seduced him with her pretty speech. With her flattery, she enticed him. There it is, communication. That's right. How, how is someone seduced? Not always by physical things, but by words. By pretty speech. Let's go on to verse 22. He followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter, or like a trapped stag awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life. So as he begins to follow her, he's probably thinking, maybe they're headed to the bedroom. They're going to have some connection there. But what he doesn't realize is basically he's like an ox headed to the slaughter, a bird about to get trapped, that he's headed into a dangerous place in his life, headed even to death. Proverbs 7.24 says, Listen to me, my sons. Pay attention to my words. In verse 25, it says, Don't let your heart stray toward her. Don't wander down her path, for she has been the ruin of many. Numerous men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Wow. Now, I want to say, ladies, this is not just about ladies, That's right. okay? This is phrased in such a way where it's saying, don't follow her, don't look at her, don't talk to her. But we can easily turn that ride around for ourselves. Watch out for him. Don't follow him. It goes both ways here. That's right. And so what we see here through these verses is that this, this begins that stepping out. This begins that journey. Mm -hmm. There's something that happens over, you know, a phone conversation or sharing a meal Dreams are shared and hopes are shared. Right. And so we want to be careful that we draw those boundaries. In Proverbs 7, verse 8, Solomon says, Don't go near her house. You need to stay as far away as you can. That's expediting. And let me just say this, um, because this is not just about ladies or men. But if, you, if you're married, if you're a guy and you're married... All right, and this girl that you're kind of having these things in your mind with, uh, she, um, she is Satan to you. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to say this. If you're, if you're a girl and you're married and you're fantasizing about this guy, he is Satan to you. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, they are not your friends. Because when you start expediting, when you start going farther than you should... The, and this really, there's two more steps, but this last one really is it. And it's expression. It's expression. You're not expediting anymore. You're going to directly talk to that person and express the way you feel. Now, up to, the, up to this point, it's appeared innocent. But it really is not all that innocent because you have now, after you've eliminated all of that good stuff, and, and, and you start having these encounters, and you start hoping more encounters, you position yourself so that more encounters will take place. But here is where you're actually verbalizing, this is what you mean to me. 
And this, it's like you're 16 again. I mean, it's like you're high on heroin. It's on a high. And this is where Satan gets his hooks in. It's expression. You express your true intentions to the other person. You finally tell the other person how you really feel. And you never do it in an open way. You always do it in a guarded way so that when you do open up, and you say, hey, this is kind of how I feel, then, um, and they go, no, I don't feel that. And then you, you can pull back and go, oh, I was just joking, or, you know, <laughs> right? You do it in a guarded way so that if you go out there and they don't reciprocate, you, I mean, everything's fine and dandy, all right? And, and it's a conversation kind of like watching a tennis match. Okay, you have people who are serving and going back and forth, and just let, let's just watch this conversation take place. The man says to the woman, "I sure like this time you and I spend together." <laughs> Service, right? She says, "I really do too." You know, uh, I, it's the highlight of my week, and I love talking with you. Right? And then he says, man, he ramps it up even louder. Sometimes I wish my wife was more like you. And then she responds, you know, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I wish me and my husband had conversations like you and I have. Now he's gaining confidence and he says, you know, can I say something very direct to you? She knows what's coming. She leans forward and she gives him the body language. She starts playing with her hair. She starts looking down. She starts biting her lip. And she says, no, go ahead. You can trust me. She has dreamed about this. And he's dreamed about this as well. He says, I feel very deeply for you. And she turns and says, I feel the same way about you. And he closes, hey, what are you doing next Monday? You would have lunch again? Sure, I, I think I had something planned with my husband, but I think I can get out of it. Match point. Checkmate. You see, at this point, nothing physical has happened, but it's an only a matter of time for point six to happen, and that's an experience. That's the sexual act. All you need now is a common place to go. And when you go, let me tell you, you're going to have some of the greatest sex you've ever had. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17 says. Stolen bread tastes sweet. That's not where it ends, though, is it? Stolen bread tastes sweet. But it turns to gravel in the mouth. The Bible says the pleasure of sin is just for a season. And you need to know, a lot of churches say sin is bad. It is bad, but let me tell you, sometimes it feels good. Any person that tells you sin doesn't feel good has lied to you. The problem is, it does feel good, but it never ends up that way. In fact, in James chapter 1, it says, when, when, when sin gives birth, it brings forth death. I mean, you're going to start, uh, after you do the experience part, you're going to live a dual life and your life is going to start crumbling because you can't keep up the lies. And you throw away everything that's precious to you. You, th you throw away your friends. You throw away your children. You throw away your spouse. You throw away your hopes, your dreams, all of your past experiences. Some, sometimes you even throw away the, your friends' 
in, in your church, in your own church. You live this dual existence. And I've heard one preacher say this, if I had known how long it could bring me, how deeply it could hurt me, and how long it would hold me, I would have never, ever started into it. Sin will take more than what you're willing to give, and, and just because, it, just for just that much time of feeling good, but it never starts out sexual. It starts out emotional. And if you give your emotions away, it's only a matter of time before you give your body away. Now, we've talked about our steps of how an affair happens. Let's close. How do we prevent an affair? Well, the first one is don't think it can't happen to you. Um, you know, that sounds easy to say on the surface. But... Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, there's a verse that says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. And I think that's just a warning and a heed that all of us need to just place in front of ourselves. Not in, ju not in just this area of our life, but in so many areas of our lives, whether, you know, it's, I, I don't even want to start a list. But whatever it is, if we see that and we tend to think, well, I don't, I don't think I'd ever do that. I don't think I could end up there. Be careful so that you don't fall. Absolutely. The second one is guard your heart. Guard your heart. You know, just as we talked about, your life is like a home, and there's a fireplace in that home. And, and fireplaces are wonderful things, but when a spark gets out of hand, you've got to guard your heart. Uh, a few months ago, I was taking my truck, my Amigo, uh, to get uh, worked on, and we were out in the country, and I remember having one of my boys with me, and we passed by this old, where it used to be a house, but now just two chimneys on both sides of the house are standing. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? And, my, and one of my boys asked, what, what is that, Dad? That's kind of a weird thing. I said, that used to be a house. But something happened, and it burned down, and the only thing that left are those two chimneys. And let me tell you, if, if sex gets out of hand, if your emotions get out of hand, it will burn everything down. And the only thing left that you have are these two pillars. That's it. You've got nothing else. Everything else has not even been taken away from you. You have given it away. You've given it away. So you have to guard your heart. Third is stoke the fire of your marriage. As we've talked about in our big idea today, guys, your wife needs romance. She needs that pouring in from you. So be creative. Continue to pour in. Do those romantic things. If flowers are her deal, buy her some flowers. If it's chocolate, go see Russell Stover. <laughs> if it's a pair of shoes, you better get on over to Dillard's. Whatever it is that speaks romance to your wife, find that thing. It doesn't have to be all the time, but begin to speak the language that means something to her. Pour into your wife. Wives, if we want to keep our men happy, we are the only source of sexual arousal for them. Some of us need to go to Victoria's Secret. We've been shopping at Kmart a little bit too long. Some of us need to stay awake. I'm, I'm just, that's the only way I know how to say it, you know? We come to it. End of the day, get into bed. The next thing you know, you've got drool coming down. You start to flinch over there on the side of your bed. You know, you're, you're descending into sleep town. If we want to pour into them, we've got to, even if we say, you know, that's just really not my thing. No, it's not, but it's his. 
I think he's made that clear throughout this series. I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Is there anybody available afterwards to counsel us? I'm just joking. And our last thing is this, is surround yourself with accountability. Surround yourself with accountability. Surround yourself. Guys, if you're a guy, surround yourself with some guys, and you give them permission to ask you questions. Give them the freedom to say, if you ever see me getting too close to another woman that's not my wife, you have, a, you have the permission to punch me in the mouth. Seriously. And if you're a woman, you're probably not going to say that that way, but if you're a woman, you find you some ladies who can pour into you and tell them, if you see me getting too close to a guy who isn't my husband, you have the freedom to jump me and to snatch me bald-headed. Right? You have that freedom. And let me tell you where that happens. In one church. It is in community groups. Let me tell you. One of the questions we got at first service, and we're getting ready to go to our questions now, is what if you have somebody who's a friend who's telling you you need to leave him or you need to leave her? You need to know that they're not your friend. That's not the type of people that you need to have influence in you. You need to have godly people who will get up in your personal bubble and in your business and say, right now, you, you're being stupid. Because all of us, one time or another, have been stupid. Have we not? We all have the potential to be stupid again. Totally. I want to end by just telling you a story, and it's, it's a story from Homer's Iliad. How many of y'all read that? High school, all right? Let's see if you can hang out with me. It's about Ulysses, right? And, it, and this is Ulysses, and he's hearing this about the, the sirens. He says, whenever you go by the islands of the sirens, and you, you will see the shipwrecks of the dead, discarded bodies of sailors that were lured to the island by the song of the siren. The, those women used sexuality and beauty, and those men went to their death. Ulysses see the island in the distance, and he says to his shipmates, here's what he says to his shipmates, I want you to plug your ears. I don't want you to be able to listen to their song. I don't want you to be able to hear them, but I am not going to plug mine. But I, what I want you to do is I want you to tie me to the mast of the ship. And he says this, no matter how crazy I become, you guys have to love me enough so that you won't let me do what my flesh desires. Sin can make you crazy and insane, and we all need friends who will have their ears plugged in our lives and who will strap you to the mast. And no matter what you say, they will, they will love you so deeply and so much that they will do what is best for you and not what you want. We all need people like that in our lives. Before I hit these questions, um, it's been a privilege and an honor doing this with you, Kim. Um, I've really enjoyed doing this teaching series, and uh, um, I'll tell you, Kim and I yesterday, when we were working through this yesterday, um, we were just scared to death. I've got to be honest with you. Um, you know, we just were. I mean, in fact, the one, what's the one thing, I mean, after we were kind of working on this, what was the one thing you said yesterday? Makes you scared to leave the house. And it does. Because all of us have the potential to fall. Everyone. And if you think you can't, you're next. You're next. Let me uh, answer a couple of questions. Um, what if your relationship is healthy, but your spouse is still having many affairs? Let me say this, then. I would say that your relationship is not healthy. And hear me what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's, it's your fault. 
it takes two to tango. But if everything is good, but he is continuing to go out to be able, or she is continuing to go out, um, to, and, and find that intimacy somewhere else, whether it's emotional or physical, there is something wrong. I would encourage you for you both to go to counseling. For you go to counseling privately, and you both go to counseling together. Um, but things are not, they're not good. Um, because as you know this, and Kim just said it, I made it clear in this series. Guys, we gauge whether or not the marriage is good by what? All right, do I even need to say it? All right. Um, another person uh, says this. I wish I could put into words what this series has meant to me, but I can't. Especially today's message. Affairs don't always mean the end. As crazy as this sounds, we are thankful today for the series of events which have occurred in our lives over the last seven months. I have prayed for my husband, for years for my husband, to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. If this is, uh, if this is what it took to get him there, then I will forever be thankful. Where we were once empty, we are now overflowing. I can tell you this without breaking somebody's confidence because you don't know who did this. This person has experienced the pain of an affair. And I've been counseling this couple, and they are still together. They're still fighting for their marriage. And if that doesn't give you hope, we just need to give up. Just, we just need to say thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Don't, let me tell you, just because you've had this pain doesn't mean that that is the end. It does not mean that that is the end. A uh, couple more. Um, what do you recommend uh, for a couple that has one partner who is unwilling to meet their partner's sexual intimacy uh, needs because of pain or depression? What do you recommend to the partner of the marriage who needs uh, these things but is not getting them uh, the other even after much discussion and pleading and explaining on both sides? Um, the first thing is I would say, again, don't, I would go to counseling. You, you both privately go to counseling and you go to counseling together because there's some things that are just too difficult you can't do on your own. And we have a lot of great Christian counselors around here. I mean, I can recommend a lot of great people. But you go and you say, you know what, we're going to work this out. Now, the other part of that question is, what happens in the meantime when you're not getting what you want? Well, let me tell you, there's a great verse, I think it's in 1 Peter, and it says, we are to cast all of our cares on him, for he cares for you. And all of us, we have cares, we have expectations, we have desires. And when our spouse can't meet that, we, we take that to God, and we say, God, we're not getting it met right now. And right now, I am trusting in you to make this right. And you trust in him. You don't go outside of your marriage to get those fulfilled. If you're, ladies, if your desire is romance and communication, you don't go outside of your marriage to get those fulfilled. Guys, same thing, all right? Last question, and we'll be done. Uh, what if you give into the sexual desires of your spouse, but you get nothing in return? You want to answer that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's you. I'm going to read that question one more time. What if... You give in to the sexual desires of your spouse, and you get nothing in return. Again, I think that's a conversation. You've got to have a conversation. One of the things Kim said first service, she didn't say this, this service, is a lot of times it's like a cycle. It's like a water wheel. You know, a lot of times when I'm, um, when I'm um, sexually intimate dry, 
and she is, she is like dry when it comes to romance. It takes one of us to step forward to be able to pour into the other person. And a lot of times what happens is it primes the pump and you start getting this cycle going. Because she fills my needs up, I want to have a tendency to fill her up. And it's, but it's not conditional. Hear me on this. It's not conditional. But she fills me up, and then I want to fill her up. And I think what I'm hearing in, is this in the pain, is that you're having a tendency to want to fill up your husband, but he's not reciprocating with communication or romance. And again, I think that warrants a conversation. Why aren't you willing to do that? Why aren't you willing to go there with me? Are you willing to go to counseling with me? I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to get off stage quickly. If you're a guy... If you're a guy and you're not willing to go to counseling to make your marriage better, there is a word that I'm thinking that I can't say because I'm on stage at this church. You are an idiot. You hear what I'm saying? That's not the word I'm thinking. I am tired of ladies showing up in my office because their, their husband, does, they don't have a backbone to make it better. Be a man. Step up and get better with your marriage. And sometimes that means you let other people in. You can't do it alone. So guys, I'm just telling you, you clap in a sack. I'm still preaching. <laughs> guys... You are the spiritual leader of your home. You may not like that half the time. I don't like that. You ain't got to like it. But if you want this relationship to get better, then you move. You move. Now you can clap. Thank you, guys.